Uh, perhaps you could sort of take it on the chin, take it all in one in one go, and allow the disease, as it were, to to move through the the population. But maybe we'd be just better off if we gave it to everybody, and then in a month it would be over because the mortality rate of this probably isn't going to be any different if we did it that way than the long-term picture. But the difference is we're re wreaking havoc on global and domestic economies. But crushing the economy, jobs and morale is also a health issue and beyond. Within a very few weeks, let those with a lower risk to the disease return to work. But the president is right. The cure can't be worse than the disease. And we're going to have to make some difficult trade-offs. No one reached out to me and said, uh, as a senior citizen, uh, are you willing to take a chance on your survival in exchange for keeping the America that all America loves for your children and grandchildren? And if that's the exchange, I'm all in. Remember, we had the greatest economy in the world, and then one day we were told to got to shut it down, stop it, tell everyone to stay home because of this horrible virus, and we did that. And we did the right thing, but now we have to open. We have to open our country. than willing to die for my god the economy <laughs> yeah i guess this is how you get capitalist sainthood you find ways to get other people to just you know be the key is never to sacrifice yourself well i mean it it looks like they some are, some are gonna sacrifice themselves you keep seeing like bolsonaro and fucking uh what's his name Bojo on fucking Death Watch because they got that COVID, you know? Oh, yeah. It's, I, I don't think they expected to. I mean, usually when you're down there with the robes and the big, big stick, you're expecting to be the one hurting other people into the wicker man. You're not the one who's supposed to be catching on fire. Yeah, I guess, like, part, like, this is the great part, is that they're treating this like it's, like, any other kind of class-based thing, you know? Like, any other form of austerity. Mm -hmm. Where, like, whatever cuts they make. Are we started yet? Oh, by the way, welcome to Chop Shop Economics. We read this shit, so you don't have to. <laughs> we do read this shit, mostly, and... I'm St. Helen. I'm the moral compass of the group. The compass points straight towards the wall. Uh, I'm Dr. Spider. Uh, I'm in from having to read entirely too many of the eldritch tomes that make up capital. And I think I can still speak full sentences. That's good. That's good. I'm Miss Silver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it really is a, uh, it's a win in my book, and, you know, if you can, 
if if you can still only see in three dimensions, then you're good. You're good, baby. We've still got Doc. <laughs> Make sure you actually see in three dimensions, though. I can only see in two. Yeah, well, you know, that's yeah. a personal problem. I don't like to bring that stuff on the podcast. Well, I mean, if I started seeing three dimensions, then people should start worrying yeah. about me. <laughs> yeah. Like, either my vision's been fixed, in which case I don't know how or why, or I've gained the ability to see beyond through the power of jokerfication. Yeah, no, no, we're we're a fully jokerfied podcast right now. We want everyone to rise up. We are. We have read the Dread Necronomicon and uh, the King of the Yellow and uh, the uh, Wealth of Nations. And Das Kapital. We have perused these uh, horrific tomes made from flayed human skin. So uh, hopefully somebody will be able to make sense of this shit. That is the economy. We also watched CNN. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think. You can really do that? <laughs> <laughs> We're supposed to do that? The oh, longer no. you gaze into the pit, the more it gazes back at you. But oh, for real, God. like, Boris Johnson and company, like, uh, Lieutenant Dan from Texas, they're fucking just like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm saying right now, pro tossing people into the pit to appease the skies. And then they're like, what? I'm a people? It's, like, it's, yeah, it's absurd. They're like, it's totally fine to be all like, yes, we will let people fucking die, potentially in the millions, because it will make stocks go up. Yeah, no, they're, this is their whole deal, and like, I touched on this a little bit in the last episode, but, like, this is how they make every decision. They're constantly making decisions to kill millions of people to preserve private property and to preserve private profits. That's what they're doing. Yeah, it's just the, it's just the, you know, internal logic is a little less obscured. Now they're like they're saying the quiet part out well, loud, because before they could just, you know, fob you off of like you know homilies about oh how we need to preserve the free market and the free market is best and we can't have nice things, better things are not possible. And now it's like, no, we we need you to die for the economy. Um, the Democrats have their own version of this, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, no, there's, it's definitely, this is the exact logic of running against Medicare for all. It really is mm -hmm. the exact logic of, well, we could save millions of lives, or we could make sure that stocks of certain companies keep going up and up. And... Un even unlike chance of that happening now. Even unlike this whole like we can't give benefits to people, we can't cut the war machine, these kind of things. This isn't even going to help profits. That's the worst part. They just like it's just blind sacrifice 
in this ideal that they've, like, put themselves into. They've put themselves into this, like, paradigm where, like, the more workers they sacrifice, like, the worse workers' lives are, the better the economy will be. And you see this with, there were reports on Joe Biden's negotiations with the president of Spain and during the recession as vice president. And he said that, like, he doesn't trust any economic reforms that don't bring tears and suffering. That don't, that, like, the trade unions are for, that they're not, like, fighting against vociferously. He, he said tears and suffering. Because that's how these ghouls, these fucking life-sucking vampires, perceive how economy yeah, works. Yeah, this goes back to shit with fucking Ronald Reagan and Maggie Thatcher all the way back in the 80s, where Thatcher first made her reputation as a cabinet minister who was cracking down on like excessive spending in schools and was like called milk snatcher thatcher because she was like going after subsidies for like buying milk in schools and so that kids could actually like have lunch and i mean this isn't just like you know just like ache where these are just kids who aren't like packing their sandwich or whatever before they leave for the day these are like frequently in like mining communities and industrial communities in the north and the midlands of england and in scotland and wales that where for some of these kids this is like the meal they're getting until like something Mm -hmm. that's resembling food at dinner like this is like and reagan like cutting back on shit like housing vouchers and shutting down um like public uh mental institutes and all that other stuff it's like it's all shit that hit the people at the bottom the worst in ways that man that measurably made their lives much worse yeah, yeah, it's it's this uh, strange idea that, like, overcapitalized countries like the UK and the US, which are um, as fully industrialized as the technology allows, that, like, they can get to these uh, underdeveloped, underindustrialized growth rates and thus uh, rate of profit by replicating the conditions of suffering for workers in those times. That's really what it comes down to. The beatings will continue until productivity improves. It's just this time, they're looking (laughs) at a totally unprecedented economic crisis, and instead of the usual, like, hidden, like, slow trickle of, like, industrial accidents or people getting too sick to continue working or their quality of life being completely destroyed by shredding the safety net this is much more direct instead they're just going like nope we gotta like stuff the fucking man full of people and we need to light the man on fire because if we don't then the market will be sad and the bear and the bull will make frowny faces and uh, goldman sachs and uh, michael bloomberg will not invite me to their cocktail party. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to, is that they're just trying to do human sacrifice to appease this fucking Tao god, you know? It's like an index fucking idol that they have 
this golden calf. It's a full-on golden calf that they're sacrificing children to. It's fucking Moloch, these devil worshippers. It's happening in, like, right out in the open, too. Yeah, it's on front-page news. It is. And it's fucking in policy in a lot of places. It's horrendous. I mean, look. look. All of you who are hearing this in the future, um, I want you to understand that, you know, when you play Dawn of Chaos 4, um, you know, usually you're not going into playing America with the right mindset. You have to understand the religion, which is called the free market. Now, I know that some mods will try to claim that they were Christians, but the great papal revival doesn't take place for another hundred years or so. Americans would start every year by sacrificing a bull and bear to define what type of market it was, with their goal being to ensure that the number was high as possible. High priests in the Dow and the Index would report what they said so the number... Uh, what they said the number was to the people, edit that please, um, giving them immense power over their population. During the plague, they had already performed the sacrifice so no more animals could be laid upon the altar. But so devoted were Americans to their strange religion that they would sacrifice their own for the holy number. Once Paradox finally fixes theocracy mechanics, they will let you play as a high priest again and you will see this very obvious. So hey, Great gameplay tip for you guys. Yeah, yeah, future uh, grand strategists, future uh, gamers, because we know gamers are the future. Please take it, our it's great gamer pro tip. You literally get to, go, you get to go neat, we're going to take the children of Adam, but make them a whole fucking society. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and... No, the, the the best part about, like, all of the sacrifice is that Number heard their prayer. Number, like, tasted the blood of the sacrifice and did go up for a week. <laughs> it went up for a week. Well, okay, the, the bump stayed up for a week. It was a very, it was a very large bounce. Like, people talk about dead cat bounces, you know? We've talked about them. We, we saw a couple dead cat bounces on the way down here. Um, but what people don't talk about enough is a dead boomer bounce. You know, the average boomer is 200 pounds, and a cat is only 200. So when it bounces, it's 10 times the bounce. So you can get, like, a full week out of that dead boomer bounce, which is really what they're trying to do here. They're trying to just replicate a dead boomer bounce, but it only works once, guys. It only works once. Yeah. I mean, this is very obviously a bull trap. Um, Doc, would you mind going into what that is? Um, Because this whole thing is like, the market is still very volatile. Um, It still hasn't returned to, like, pre-crisis levels. It's... uh, I would venture to say it probably isn't going to do that for a very long time, if ever. Um, But there's, you know, there's a dead cat bounce where, you know, you get a a small upward movement before everything keeps sliding back down on the trend line. And then you get something like this, a bull trap. 
So what the fuck is that? So like what a bull trap is when we're in the middle of all that crash volatility is where it looks like something's going to rebound. Like maybe an index is going back up. Maybe the price of a commodity dropped or increased. Something happened and it's restored some level of investor confidence. So they immediately start jumping into the market thinking they're going to make out big. And unfortunately for them, it's a trap because the underlying fundamentals are still shit because the circumstances of the broader economy do not support any kind of rebound or return to normalcy. Yeah, that that sounds like what just happened. Well, we officially it really does. Uh, I'm no expert. <laughs> officially. Uh, you can quote me on that. Uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm an expert for all sorts of things involving financial experts. Uh, primarily, like, uh, disembowelment, uh, you know, a dismemberment, uh, execution, that kind of thing. But uh, I'm definitely not a financial yeah, basically expert, just so don't take my word on so... this. But it sounds like yeah, we so just we... had a bear trap. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, bull trap. Yeah, yeah. bear trap happened too, but yeah, that's um, not going to happen. We're um, so far away from that. The market's too <laughs> disintegrating, and they managed to flog it just barely over the twenty thousand point mark on the Dow by offering up the sacrifice of everybody over the age of sixty and every immunocompromised person, and you know that bumped it for a week. And then finding out the hard way that no, actually, uh, there are some people who don't value the market more than their lives. It sort of killed it pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, and like what we what we're seeing here is that there really is no like real economic basis for the market to be doing good at all. Like that's what like these people can't really comprehend is that like neoliberalism's, like, boom market up through the 2000s was based on expanding markets. It was based on opening up China. It was based on the fall of the Soviet Union. It was based on, like, just the huge industrialization of places like China and Bangladesh. And now those places are industrialized. You can't keep increasing the rate of profit. And you see as, like, we're seeing this tendency of rate of profit to go down, and the markets keep going up anyway. And eventually, like, someone has to do some accounting and see that, like, it's a bad investment to invest in practically anything right now. And so they just grab their cash and go. And that's what this fucking market's looking and what we're seeing that happens within that, and what's even made it possible for them to sort of paper over, that this is an economy that has been, like, like part of the problem with what neoliberalism and all of the shit with it has done is it has totally disregarded that core region capitalism, that the shit you see in the United States and Europe, and, uh, uh Japan and in the Pacific Rim and Australia is sort of this thing that depends on mass consumption to work. 
and this worked as long as you had mass employment and shit in like heavy industry and mining and like with longshoremen on the docks and stuff like that but once you start getting the combination of offshoring to like china and india and bangladesh and some parts of africa and increasing industrial automation because again we got to remember the u.s has always been increasing how much tonnage and value of manufactured goods it's been exporting like every year since world war ii it just doesn't take bodies anymore oh yeah no the u.s has not yeah the u.s it has not reduced its power as a manufacturing country the u.s still manufactures more than any other country but china and it exports more than i think any country but china germany might be up there but it's an export-based economy um it's but what's happened is this increasing capitalization in automation and because you don't need as many people so now you're not paying those people but the other side of it is if you do that you don't have people buying goods and stimulating demand in the first place. So you paper it over with fucking financial sorcery. Yeah, and I mean, like, then there's all the super profits from the firms investing in China. And then that, like, yeah. does trickle down a bit. It does get money into the imperial core. Investing in China, investing in Bangladesh, investing in Vietnam, in Indonesia, to get these super profits that allow them to reinvest in their own employees in, say, America or France. And what's happening is that the rate of profit in these countries is now low enough to where it's not super, you're not generating super profits, you're generating regular profits. And something has to break there. Something has to break. Then you don't have consumption at the home in the in the core. You don't have consumption from lack of employment in the core, and then you don't have the super profits coming from overseas, and then yeah. what is the economy run off of at that point? Like, you can throw bullshit money at it, you can spin up derivatives, you can do all that shit all you want, to paper it over, but eventually by your own internal rules, it's going to backfire. And that's where we get this whole, like, this is where we get this current fucking, like, freakish monstrosity that we here at Chop Shop would like to call death cult capitalism. Huh. Death cult capitalism. Yeah, it's... Because this... This is the point when they finally have said, you know what, we can no longer continue to increase profit by eliminating social services and increasing people's dependence on their jobs and increasing their precarity to force them to depend on debt that they normally should never be taking on in the first place to pay for our stupid gambling debts. And that's not working anymore so we are going to take it to the next level of fuck it we will t actively call for sacrificing their lives to flog something resembling a profit out this quarter yeah and and fuck the consequences it, it's a, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of how of how the actual economy works because if 
Because just putting people back to work in the fucking restaurants and movie theaters, that's not going to make business in general profitable. That's not, like, we're still going to see social isolation. We're still going to see this mass death that scares all of the investors and stuff away. And ultimately, there still is this lack of profitability that triggered neoliberalism in the first place. Except now they're running out of good investments, so the market's going down. And there's... They don't see that there is a structural problem here. They can't comprehend it. Because to imagine that would be to imagine that they're just hurting people for their own personal gain, and that would make them feel very, so, very bad. So, one thing I would point out <laughs> is that, like, this process, um, in a sense, it has been underway for a while. Um, this process of basically deaf cult capitalism. It's just, now they're kind of saying okay, look, we're not just feeding, like, Alabama or Wyoming to Moloch. We're, we're going to feed all of you to Moloch. We don't, we don't care where you are. We don't care if you're in, you know, the centers of, the centers of production, the centers of consumption. We don't care about any of that. We're, we're just going to sacrifice you. Because it doesn't matter. Um, the blood type we get from Alabama is not. Yeah, we can't get we can't get enough blood out of fucking uh, fucking Angola prison. So now we have to just starting start yeah. sacrificing all of the boomers in New York. That's that's what their fucking goal is right now. That's yeah. what they're, that's how they're seeing it. Yeah. Though arguably you could say that within this past year, what's happened with coronavirus in the UK and the United States specifically is not actually our first example of death cult capitalism. That distinction would actually go to Australia. The wildfire. Oh, yeah. You're the liberal PM in the face. And we got to remember, liberal in Australia really means uh, Tory, but with different branding. And Rupert Murdoch owns the entire fucking media, so you can do whatever the hell you want. Um, they, in the face of the massive wildfires that have basically consumed the continent, there were, like, the skies were literally, this was literally biblical shit going on in Sydney and Melbourne and Perth and all the major cities and across the entire fucking continent. Like, we're talking, like, entire species may be functionally extinct because of climate destruction here. And you could see it from fucking space. And in the face of all of this, like, literally, you should be pulling out all the stops and throwing all the rules out the window kind of situation, the fucking PM instead says, nope, we are going to find a way to save the fucking coal industry's ass and see if we can get people back in the fucking mines, even though they may be getting fucking cooked alive and stuck in some Silent Hill shit. But fuck you, the coal must flow. Oh yeah, Australia is one of the few places where, like, coal and iron are still actually profitable to mine. And so, the country is controlled by those interests. Because, as we all know here, 
the state is a tool for one class to oppress another, and the bourgeoisie, who are invested in profitable ventures, control the state of Australia. So, they can't do anything but double down All on coal. All may die, but that is a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Yeah, basically. Exactly. Yeah. It's totally... It's... We're gonna line you up, and we're... Yeah, we're gonna stuff you in the big wicker man, and we're gonna light you up. And it's so fucking, like... It... Like, it's the... It's only the kind of thing that can happen when you're talking, like, such, like, terminal fucking brainworms that you are looking at the choices between a, let's be honest, historically mm-hmm. mild command economy situation that would still allow you to preserve some something resembling capitalism that may be in some kind of, like, debased social democracy when it's all said and done, or fucking crashing out we're talking like china right now yeah well like the 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 fucking measures that they need we're talking like china right now at (laughs) most and more likely just some de gaulle dirigismus shit you know yeah They'll still get to keep their fucking factories they may have to part with their 10th gold plated super yacht but it, it would be like maybe I mean and we're in the US we'd probably be yeah. talking at best the New Deal yeah it's just no that's exactly what that's exactly what they're talking about they're talking about like oh we'll get a green New Deal you know we're gonna get the New Deal but with yeah. solar panels but instead you get these like brain rot death cultists who look at a situation that would still preserve capitalism in a recognizable format that would allow them to recover probably a lot faster than they did after the Second World War. And instead of going, okay, fine, we, we'll just hunker down, we'll play the long game, and, you know, we'll try to get the fucking peasants to stop posting guillotine memes on the, on the Twitter. Instead, they're like, no, fuck it. Get out the goddamn knives, light up the torches, line them up. Oh, yeah, no, it's full-on just absolute, like, murderous behavior that, like, is not even grounded in any kind of economic reality. We cannot, like, I cannot stress enough how little sending all of the boomers into COVID camps would actually help anyone. Like... It won't even help the rich people. Yeah. Uh, there were, uh, there's been stories going around of basically like people with second homes, um, you know, basically just fucking off into the countryside. And then it turns out that like the local hospital, if you can call it that, has no ICU beds. They have like one or two ventilators. And they are completely and utterly unequipped to deal with a pandemic, even if the gross-ass rich people weren't coming in from New York City 
already infected. And then there's like the real extreme examples of some really rich assholes who are literally running for fallout bunkers. Yeah, how many ventilators you got in that fallout bunker, dipshit? <laughs> I mean, I'm reminded of that Doctoro story where, like, they all, like, uh, like, they're doing great. And then it turns out that, you know, their Cipro is expired and, oh, what's this? They have cholera because the entire region has cholera. And so they die horrible, messy deaths because fuck it. They didn't want to, you know, they wanted to be in their bunker uh, waiting for, you know, the feral pores to kill each other off so that they could return to normal. And it didn't fucking work because they died because they didn't have enough antibiotics. They didn't have enough supplies. There's only so much stuff you can cram into a shelter. It's like these fuckers have never read the, the Mask of the Red Death. I was literally about to say that. I straight up... They, they, like, don't understand. They think that, like, everything is just like the L.A. riots in 1992. Any possible consequence to them is just, like, solved by them holing up in Beverly Hills or in their little compound in fucking New Zealand with, like, a source of fresh water that's actually tainted by E. coli from the hundreds of thousands of sheep in the next five miles. You know? Like... Or they, like, dig in deep in their, like, bunker right outside of Philadelphia, only to find out that all that fracking they've been investing in means their tap water's on fire. Pretty much. <laughs> it's like... I don't know. These people have this idea that, you know, they can just ride it out. They don't need the support services of a city. Look, off-grid living is hard. And these are these are rich people. Okay, they don't... Rich people don't know what it takes to survive. Things just happen for them. <laughs> There's, like, there's a reason there's, like, maybe five anarchists who are successfully living off-grid. Like, that shit's not easy if you know what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Like, th there's a whole array of skills required, and they think that the only skill they need is the ability to um, miss with a semi-automatic rifle a bunch of times. Yeah, you know what? This AR-15 is going to defend me from an angry horde, an army of, of unwashed poors who are going to Mad Max their way into stealing my 35 dehydrated loaves of bread. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll just fire my boon stick in the air and they'll disperse. That's how it always happens in the movies, right? Right. And it's like, what they don't take into account is something very simple. Can you guess what it is? It's that we have ARs. Wait. <laughs> they have no wait, monopoly you, on force. Are you saying they have that no pores also have guns in houses? Yes. Know how to grow food? Yes. And mutual aid? Yes, that's that's the thing. They think that we are too stupid to, you know, to run this, uh, to run all this shit without them. And the 
answer is we're better equipped to do it than they can. Yeah, we already run 99% of this shit without them. <laughs> what would we do without, uh, without fucking executives coming in to try to improve productivity by fucking fucking with everyone's schedules for two months before setting it back to normal. Like, <laughs> uh, And that's probably why there, like, so many of them are, have just, like, had this, like, collective psychotic break or something and are like, nope, fuck it. We're gonna just say the quiet part loud. Let's just start building, like, start, like, bundling up the sticks and building the men and lining up the sacrifices. Like, it, it's got, like, it's just so, it doesn't make any fucking sense, even from a, like, pragmatic preserving their power standpoint, unless it's because they've looked at this whole crisis, and they've realized everything they've said is completely fucking wrong, and they are not essential to society, and they would rather let people die on a massive scale than consider the possibility that they were completely wrong. Like, they have been exposed to a truth that is too awful, and instead, for them, the stars are right. So, basically, yeah, we're we're in death cult capitalism. Um, the thing is, though, is, like, we've, we've talked about some of it, but we haven't quite gone to all of it. Like, uh, a few oh, the, days... Yeah, the suicide pact denomination. Yeah. That particular bunch. So, first up, um, let's talk a little bit about what happened in West Virginia um, this week. Yeah. So that one is one of those headlines that you just missed because it doesn't seem big, but it is. But we have just had our first bank failure in this ongoing crisis. Uh, What was the name of the bank again, Ms. Silver? The First State Bank of Barbersville. So Friday, um, they had like $152 million in total assets. They got closed Friday. Basically, what happened was they had $152 million in total assets, $139.5 million in deposits. Um, and it looks like another regional bought them out. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't say much here, but it's... Basically, yeah, they got bought out by another regional bank. Um, the bank, the branches will be uh, transferred to MVB Bank Incorporated um, of Fairmont, um, and they'll be reopening um, as branches of that bank uh, yesterday. <laughs> but this. This doesn't sound like a big deal. Like, nobody lost their shirt. This isn't the the Great Depression. But this is the Harbinger. Yeah. We haven't really talked about the small bank crisis. Well, we did in one episode a couple weeks back. We mentioned it. We did a little segment on it about how they've uh, purchased... They've been saddled with all of these toxic debts that, like, banks have been offloading. The big banks. Mm-hmm. And what's happening is that right now, people can't pay debts. Especially the shitty 
bad debts that they weren't ever going to have to be able to pay in the first place. So now it's going to hit the section of finance that deals much more since 2008 in housing and handles the vast majority of agricultural loans, which creates its own problems because agriculture as a sector, and this is true everywhere, is soaked in debt. Like every agri, even when you're, doesn't matter if you're talking corporate agribusiness or small family farm or agricultural co-op, whatever, pretty much anything that's involved in agriculture is operating on debt because they always have to borrow money based on the expectation that they will be able to pay back come harvest time. Like, okay, it, it works the same way as like an ice cream restaurant, you know? Like, there is a month where an ice cream restaurant makes enough money to cover its year-round operations. <laughs> and that's harvest month for farms. What, what happens is that they have to take on debt to cover all of these operations, these day-to-day operations, until they can sell their product, which happens pretty much all at once. So the people who are make, financing growing food are facing an unprecedented economic crisis on multiple fronts, which has nothing to do with agricultural production. Well, actually, it may to an extent because of Trump's trade war, but it's going to have much more to do with all the other small debts that they're holding being at risk or in default. Exactly. It's um, These banks have needed to take on these debts because the debts are assets to them. And the more assets they have, the better loan terms they can give. And if you're in competition with better be- with other banks, you want to be putting out bigger loans with lower interest rates so that you can get more customers. And the competition is highest with these smaller banks. And so they load up on these toxic assets and they're toxic. So now they're going to all fucking die. Um, and the FDIC will preserve accounts up to 250000 but if you're a farm with 100 acres, that's a that's like half the year, maybe. Like, and if you're a real big farm, if you're like an actual big farm, that's nothing. If you're like a real commercial farm, that's nothing. And that's what a lot of these banks are funding. And you're insured up to jack and shit if you're a, a farm. And you're going to go under if you can't find more... If you Your, your assets are gone. And so you're fucked. And, and this is what makes this like death cult shit so fucking insane. You could take the mild approach and say, okay, fine, we're going to do a nationwide uh, mortgage eviction and rent holiday. Like, you could just do something fairly mild that says, okay, temporarily, we're going to waive all these fees until the crisis is over. And all these mechanisms would still be able to function because the farms would be able to sell their har- their product, they'd be able to pay off their debts, they'd be able to keep things going, and these little banks would still be able to keep functioning and just barely keeping the whole thing together. But that would be state intervention in the economy, which is a priori morally wrong. 
<laughs> so right. If you're a death cult capitalist, the state is not supposed to touch the economy because it is uh, profane and vulgar, and it must be drowned in a bathtub. Well, they've drowned government in a bathtub, and look where we are now. Yep, uh, what we're what we are now is we're at six hundred dead in a day in New York right now. That's where we are. Uh, and we've got a, we've got like an army of fail sons, you know, just completely botching the fucking response. Like Massachusetts had to like fucking smuggle in ninety fives to you know, just to get some. Because the Trump administration kept stealing. Donald Trump has literally been accused by the French government of piracy for outright seizing a shipment of N95s off the runway in Thailand and ship and sending it back to the U.S. Like, this is literal gangster capitalism shit. Oh yeah, and uh, Turkey's done that too. Uh, they they took a shipment that was headed to, towards Europe. It's. It's quite, it's quite amusing to see mercantilism uh, revive. I can't wait to get a letter of mark for fucking against the EU. That'll be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> be a great way to pay off my student debt. I mean, like, I'm already covered in tattoos, and I have a gun. I mean, that's all you need to become a privateer, right? <laughs> I even did a seminar of maritime history about piracy. <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay, uh, I guess uh, next week we'll be broadcasting from our uh, clipper where we're going to raid uh, Spanish shipping from. <laughs> it's going to be a gas. Yeah. Chop shop on the high seas. Yeah. We're get, we're, we might have to change our name to be uh, more accurate though. You know, like uh, like Brigand Radio or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate pirate radio. Yeah, yeah. Actual, what literal pirate radio. That's what it'll be. <laughs> we'll just keep moving on up our prizes until we capture, like, an Arlie Burke or something. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know what? Get on our Patreon. Our first goal for Patreon will be crew member on the SS Chop Shop. <laughs> <laughs> Formerly of the U.S. Seventh Fleet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll raid for whoever. Whoever gives us a letter of mark, we don't care. Yeah. Letter of mark and a good cut. <laughs> Comrade C, we'll do it, baby. <laughs> we provide our own Jolly Roger. Yeah. I mean, it's a post-apocalypse, right? I mean, we've got to have fucking raiders. So I mean... We as well, like, get it on the ground floor. It looks like a post-apocalypse in a lot of cities right now. It's fucked up. It's scary. Like, you've got actual, like, like a park that's in my neighborhood in San Francisco literally has this basketball court on this particular park is closed due to risk of COVID infection. And, like, the kids' playground has, like, the same sign in front of it. And it's, like, locked up with, like, chains and everything. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's pretty fucked up. It's scary. Like, I have, I have to work, too. 
Unless the kid starts the fucking, like, gets us to the suicide cult segment of the death cult. Oh, yeah. As led by High Priest Joe Biden. Oh, yes. Mr. I don't want to pull... Wait, what was it? I don't want to politicize this crisis so I won't criticize Trump? <laughs> like... I will offer to call him and give him fucking tips. Oh my god. What a fucking cut. Like... <laughs> like... I'm Joe Biden, and I forgot this message. You can hear it again at my 2800 ahead fireside chat. Like, he's he's seeing Donald Trump. On like, just, he's seeing Donald Trump just, like, fucking railing his country. And he's just like, um, uh... Uh, Mr. Mr. President, uh, uh, the U.S. likes it when you stimulate the clitoris. Like he's that's what he's fucking at right now. Just it's. Yeah. I fucking hate so, it. Shit. Well, but, but, like, look, he straight up said, oh, "I'd still listen." You veto. Well, listen, I. I told Corn Pop, like you gotta, you, you gotta. Uh, uh, well, 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 let's just. Let's do it all over again. Uh, let's do it all over again. Um, well, um, well, see here, Jack. I really want to let you know that while I'm in this closet videotaping you, you better treat my wife like the queen she is. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll pop you one. How many push-ups can you do? <laughs> That's... And it's... And then he's like, okay, yeah, we've got a raging pandemic. Shit is going to completely to hell. Yes, I would still veto Medicare for all. I would still veto paying for the healthcare of every single American as a basic human right. Because I want to win over suburban voters. Medicare for all is literally the only way to come out of fucking this crisis with single-digit million deaths. Like, the, like the only even way even Donald fucking Trump is saying we should be doing Medicare, like we should be expanding Medicare to cover all the uninsured. Donald fucking Trump is saying that. Yeah, yeah. It's they decided like, well, here, oh, like here's the thing: they decided they are not going to reopen the uh, the insurance, uh, the health insurance exchange, even though this is like. This would be the moment where, under Obamacare, that's exactly what you would do. You would open the exchange again, create the special enrollment period, except he hasn't done any of that. And the reason he isn't doing any of that is because what he's looking at, as far as it goes, is... And I don't know if this is going to be just rhetoric or if he's actually going to pull this off, but his idea is to just, look, money is bullshit. We all know this. If you've listened to our last few episodes, you know money is fucking meaningless. They they invented up 1.5 trillion of it to, you know, try and shore up the market, and it rallied for, like, 15 minutes, and then... They minted the coin, folks! They minted two $1 trillion platinum coins. And spent them. And spent them. And you know what? Actually, that's our first bounty. Comrade Xi, we will accept this contract from you. 
we will seize the galleon with those trillion dollar coins on it <laughs> and we <laughs> will give you one of the two <laughs> we need the other one to set up our pirate island yeah oh we're but... gonna take Jeff Bezos island <laughs> um I mean, yeah after all we need to escape to the one place where capitalism hasn't touched Space. <laughs> mm, <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll we'll find we'll go to Little Saint James and we'll storm it, and that will be our new pirate island. <laughs> oh no! Um, I, and it's just so insane that like he's got a perfect opening politically to knock Trump's teeth out, and like at least get some of the more like on the fence Sanders people to swing his way. But instead he's like, nope, I like can't offend these like imaginary suburbanites whose views are exactly the same as all my donors. Yeah, yeah, no, there there is a, a voting block of eighty million white Americans who make fifty thousand dollars a year each, and they will all be turned off if you say that anyone who makes a dollar less than them should have healthcare. Like, they will, they will fucking, they would rather shoot themselves in the head than vote for someone who advocates for anything that would cut down their monthly premium costs. Like, this is this that's, fucking ghost. That's what they believe. That they they even, think is. I mean, that isn't even true. That's the thing. That is yeah. Truth, no, that's but... what they think exists. That's like the whole basis of the Democratic <laughs> fucking campaign. This is the DNC's voters. <laughs> that's why they wear all those lanyards, you know. It's so that they can sufficiently choke off the supply of oxygen to keep the brainworms alive. Yeah, yeah. You know, like uh, a normal working class human being breathes heavily enough from all of their panic attacks that the brainworms are strangled by the amount of oxygen. And but the lanyards in their Georgetown townhouses, um they the lanyards cut off that oxygen and allow these worms to thrive and reproduce even. Carbon dioxide. It's really important to their life cycle. Yeah, yeah. See, that's again why they're fighting so hard against any kind of climate change action. <laughs> they need the CO2 to go up. It's essential to the brain parasites. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's just like this whole thing. I mean, it's like yeah, I mean, Trump is like he is proposing well, he's basically proposing like look we'll just you know we, we're not literally making trillion dollar coins it's more a Rashida Tlaib thing um, but the uh, the thing with Biden is is that Trump is outflanking him by doing something very simple Money is fake. We all know this. And besides, there's the whole stimulus check thing. Um, 
well, not the whole stimulus check thing, but the the bill that contains it, the the third round one, contains a lot of funding for hospitals. And the policy that Trump has proposed is basically just giving them the Medicare reimbursement rates for treating COVID patients. And they will get this they will get this money as long as they don't like, you know, try to charge them for out of network bullshit or you know, what the fuck ever. Um and like the thing with Medicare is they are a mediocre payer, but they are a fast payer. And that means that gives them <laughs> that gives hospitals what they need in order to survive. Um, yeah, actually, this is really important. Uh, Medicaid is and Medicare are such strong tools of federal health care policy that withholding Medicare funds is how desegregation happened in healthcare. Yeah. Like this is this is really powerful shit, and so what he's proposed is basically just if you don't you know pull you know balance billing shenanigans or anything, we'll give you the Medicare rate for anyone who's uninsured or insufficiently insured. We'll just give you that money through the normal Medicare billing system, and. Like, you know, you've taken, uh, like, almost every hospital takes Medicare in some form. They may not take it for, like, every patient, but they will take it for at least some. And so they will get paid. They will be made whole. And uh, and so that's, that's actually kind of brilliant. Because the ACA, like, look... How many of us can really afford, like, even one of those bronze plans that blows out to, like, $7,000 before you, you know, see, like, even a single, a single cent from your insurer for covering, you know, your horrible boomer remover infection? Um, I can. I have, uh, full coverage, no deductible, no premium. Uh, no copay for most everything. Um, it's called having a union that actually like goes on strike <laughs> when they don't get what they want. Oh uh, <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's one way to do it. It's just that you know the the uh, Biden's whole thing is that he wants to defend he. He wants to die on this stupid fucking hill of preserving his compatriots' little accomplishment. Oh, yeah, no. Um, Obamacare? This is... The thing is, like, you can just, like, reframe it as building on Obamacare. Like, it takes, like, five words to turn it into... A thing that, like, oh, we're, like, building upon Obama's legacy of healthcare reform. Boom. Done. Who gives a shit? You know who actually does give a shit? Healthcare insurers. Healthcare companies. That's who gives a shit. Yeah. 
people like fucking Elizabeth Warren's daughter, who's a fucking executive in a healthcare fucking insurance company, you know? Yeah, this is to protect his fucking donors and his fucking patrons. And we do have to remember, even though Trump's promising that, that doesn't mean he's going to actually follow through. I mean, we've he promised an this. infrastructure bill. I mean, like he's he promises a lot. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, we know right now he's literally playing favorites with the the federal stockpile, probably because he's talked with the CDC and went, "Oh shit, the destruction of social services in Republican states means my voters are going to get it right in the teeth." So. Mm-hmm. He, we know he's been fucking around with supplies, probably for that reason. But he also, earlier this week, went, oh, don't worry, economy. I've talked to Russia and Saudi Arabia, and I've created a deal that will end this oil war. And it was just <laughs> a lie! It never happened, but it never happened, and the price of oil jumped $8 a barrel for about two days off that lie. <laughs> Not only, not only did this deal not exist, but on Friday, April 3rd, the Iraqi government decided to say, you know what? There needs to be a third passenger on this train to hell for the petrostates, and we will gladly make sure that the throttle is firmly welded in place. Yeah, like, honestly, I've got to, you know, big ups for the Iraqi government. They are doing the most anti-imperialist action right now. <laughs> They're destroying the U.S. oil economy. They're destroying the Russian oil economy. And they're destroying the Saudi oil economy. And I can't think of a uh, better action a state could take for the worldwide workers <laughs> Than that. <laughs> Press F for the Iraqi oil industry. You know, yeah. they you know they saw they saw that Trump was trying to get Saudi Arabia and Russia out of this fucking suicide pact. And they pulled him right back. They pulled him right back. Like a real like a real hero. And you know, all you Saudi oil workers out there, sorry. But, like, Iraq, they've saved us all. (laughs) And, and of course, as Trump is making all these promises, there were, like, zero indications that anyone was interested in in talking this out, especially not Russia. Oh my god, right? Like, okay, you know what would be great, though? All, All Saudi Arabia needs to do to solve this is to just be like, Okay, we'll buy a hundred SU twenty sevens. Like, <laughs> yeah. they could make him go away for like about five minutes by going. Okay, we'll just like buy some more shiny weapons to blow up Houthis with. Yeah, we'll just buy a couple Russian weapons instead of Americans this time. Like, it would be so easy. Putin just wants a bribe. Like. <laughs> But no, like, both sides just don't want to put the sausage grinders away. So, no, no. Iraq now has come to the table with their own sausage grinder. You know, Iraq, they've... <laughs> That's just the most hilarious part. About, like, I'm just imagining, like, in a week, Venezuela will be like, Oh, 
You guys think you can step up oil production? Watch this. <laughs> Just Maybe Iran in the throes of coronavirus will say, open up the valve. <laughs> yeah. Iran. Ending well, social distancing running. in Iran. Quarantine over. Everyone to the oil field. One of the things that we've been noticing with the um, oil war is they are running out of places to store oil. Oh, yeah. Oil yeah. to the oh. point where, like, at this point, we are, like, a few weeks away from basically you have to... <laughs> Negative oil yes. prices, baby. Come on. <laughs> they will be paying you to take the oil away because it would be cheaper than having to store it. They've got to keep those machines up and running. They have to keep the employees paid and the expertise in there. If it means a quarter where they have to pay people to take the oil, well, uh, you know, they've got, they've got ways. <laughs> uh. The ruble's a sovereign currency, guys. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're seeing just this, like, I mean, you've got the Biden suicide pact in the U.S., but then you've got these fucking oil kings who have all, like, fucking signed in blood that they will sacrifice their national economies and political systems before they let their oil market share decline. Oh, yeah. Well, it's kind of... Well, I I think what the thing is, is that, like, Putin is looking at Saudi Arabia and going, like, these guys are super unstable. Their economy is way more based on oil than Russia. We can win this game of chicken. We've got gold, and we've got nickel, and we have nat gas, and we have military industry. We can keep going without oil for a little bit. In Saudi Arabia, uh, King MBS, I guess, he's just like, our oil is way cheaper than theirs. We can drop the price way lower than they can. We can win this game of chicken. And we'll come out of this with them agreeing to cut production. And it's idiotic. And then out of nowhere, Iraq drops a banana in the race. <laughs> yeah, Iraq's just like, you know what? I might as well fuck with this shit. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. bored. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh. Uh, that's so some classic shit. Yeah, it's so... And if you'd... And again, if these fucking oil kings, when you've got, li like, hundreds of thousands of kids skipping school to protest climate change, and people blockading, like, tar sand trains in Canada, and the Lakota uh, nation finally winning in federal court, and having it ruled that, guess what, Keystone XL was a massive environmental hazard and never should have been approved in the first place. Like, in the face of this growing, like, even in fucking China, you'll have, like, mass demonstrations for, like, green movements, like, that border on fucking riots. And in the face of this growing and increasingly militant green movement and a green energy sector that is becoming actively cheaper every day without, like... 
removing subsidies off the table, becoming cheap, legitimately cheaper and more cost-effective than coal and natural gas, and soon to beat oil. It is actually in China's geopolitical strategic interest to undermine oil as an energy source. And even to undermine and- coal, because that, that undermines Australia, which it's trying to fucking economically dominate. And so... Yeah, yeah. so and China's being smart about it, but you've got these, like, fucking petro kings who could do the smart thing and say, you know what, I'll accept losing that, like, millimeter off the end of my dick because the Iranians blew up my refinery and instead put my money into more climate denial shit and into, like, diversifying my capital away so I can ride out this, like, green revolution. It's like, no, they're like, no, fuck it. Let's play fucking death cult chicken. Yeah, yeah. it's it's bad. I think, I, I love it, though. You gotta love it. Um, and... You know what? There's, there's also, it's not just green action that's happening. You know, that's been constantly happening. Not just the climate action. There's also lots of labor action that's been happening. We covered a ton of wildcat strikes last week. It, it's honestly really cool, awesome. Uh, the masses, they're leading it. Fucking revolutionaries, step up your game. Uh, this didn't happen because a bunch of organizers and fucking black caps fucking went into workplaces and talked to people about how Lenin said imperialism is the highest form of capitalism. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. no, it's, uh, and, like, the state has responded. Uh, Amazon has responded, and Amazon's trying to smear this guy who they fired because he was organizing. And it's, it's super illegal, but luckily for them, <laughs> Trump has basically suspended the National Labor Relations Board. It's basically over, except for rules that enforce against unions. So, that's fun. Which basically means that everyone has to do wildcat strikes now, which, th- this is hilarious. This is more of that, like, suicidal death cult oh. shit. Like, forcing workers to have illegal unions means you're setting up everyone who wants food. (laughs) Everyone who wants to not die of COVID are enemies of the state now. So, fucking good luck with that. When you ban legal strikes, all strikes become illegal. And there's a reason that capital made compromises in the 30s around union regulation and that's because pre-regulated strikes were fucking gnarly ships yeah you would see things like ceos getting shot in the fucking chest (laughs) you know literal gun battles where even the fucking afl who have always been like the the wimpiest labor federation ever would bring guns to the picket lines when even like the most sad sack fail son union is going yeah we're packing yeah no like that's it's it's absurd you guys are what what they're asking for is for amazon workers to shoot cops that's what they're like these people do not they they pretend like history before 1972 does not exist. 
<laughs> it's and they're openly saying we want to kill you for the stock market. Yeah, there. It we're seeing things like in 2019 there was more labor militancy than ever since the 50s. Just just from and this was in the uh, booming economy, which we debunked in like one of our first episodes. Um, this. This was in a time of what we would consider plenty now, because we're in a depression. And so when you're already looking at a labor force that's been militarized thanks to the lack of legal ways to, like, not starve to death and be worked to death, then when shit really hits the fan... What we're seeing is just a ton of wildcat strikes. People hate rich people right now. People really hate rich people right now. <laughs> and they hate the government, you know? And doubling down, like, and instead of, like, the government going, like, hey, poor people, I know you hate rich people. I'll get them in line for you. And, like, giving them a pat on the shoulder and a nickel, you know? Instead, they're like, Hey, fuck you, poor people. Rich people are my kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's not even like they would they would not fundamentally lose any of their power if they made the kind of concessions that would diffuse the situation. But yeah. they can't. What, what they need to actually do to diffuse the situation is, you know, they need to do New Deal shit. They need to be doing stuff like France and Italy in the post-war, you know? They need to be, like, simultaneously having, like, socialists in government and death squads shooting communists, or else it's not going to work for them. But they refuse to do either, really? Like, they're not stepping up the death squads, I would know. <laughs> well, and they're even fucking up with recruiting potential people at the death squads. Like, what happened with the that aircraft carrier that was reported the a COVID infection. Oh and yeah. A letter from the ship's captain got out to the press and he was basically trying to take demanding that he bring the ship into port to save the ship and the crew and was denied. This got out to the press and instead of doing the smart thing from a PR perspective of going, no, help this man immediately. What's wrong with you? How dare you? Instead, he's been relieved of command. Yeah, exactly. This is the kind of shit where they're like, Battleship Potemkin? Isn't that an author? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's absurd. Yeah, it's, it's so damn stupid. It's like, it is straight up like suicidal death cult shit. They, they are really... so committed to this kind of capitalism that they will kill us all and themselves before they let anything else happen. Yeah, people talk a lot about how like the processes of capitalism have made it like feel invincible, how it's like recuperated all the opposition against it. And what we're looking at is, it's kind of just dumb. You know, like we're seeing that, like the things that it, it it can't switch gears from, like trying to maximize private uh, profits and stuff to trying to 
fucking have the state control entire sectors of the economy. It, it can't change that fast. Like, and people are pissed, because if it doesn't, then, I mean, at least in America, millions are going to die. Millions more can be immiserated. That's what, that's what the stakes are. What, what we're looking at right now is that, like, these optimistic me- uh, measurements of 100,000, and then 200,000, and then 250,000. People keep repeating these optimistic measures. They're not looking at the pessimistic measures, which are things like 10 million, 12 million. And when we're getting to, like, a million deaths, we're starting to see the U.S. population actually reduce over the year 2020. We're looking at reversing population growth just from COVID. And and we have to keep in mind the low end that they're talking about. Like, if we're talking, say, it stays at, to use, like, you know, somewhere in between one of the two low end measures of, say, it's only 200,000 people dead. I mean, never mind that only is, you know, a decent-sized city going poof. Yeah, that's more than all war casualties since World War II for America. Like, it's... that That's, like, excluding the Civil War, that's more than all American war deaths ever. Yeah, it's... So... It like would be a horrific loss of life. That's, like, depopulating, like, not just... Like, take any random um, city in, like, the South. We're talking about depopulating it and depopulating quite a few of the bedroom communities around it. That's 200,000 dead. Just an entire city sprawl. Yeah, that's like, it's like if they nuked Athens, Georgia, you know? It's... This is on the scale that if it happened, like, say, just in Kansas, then Kansas as a functional state would not be a thing. And we're looking at if we get to that, like, a third 10 of million, dad. you know, if we get to that, like, 10 million, we're looking at the United States kind of just functionally power going to the governors. Like, the yeah. Postal Service Definitely. might close its doors. The Postal Service might just die. Like, that's what they're reporting right now. <laughs> like, yeah. So, and it's like, the, the thing that really, really fucking scares me is that, I mean, I've seen some of the death figures, and once you go beyond what your ventilator capacity can support, you could be looking at, from the knock-on effects and everything, we could be looking at 9%. Do you know how much 9% of 327 million is? I did the math. It's 30 million. 30 million dead. Yeah. That's Rick Santelli's it wouldn't be that much number. Yeah, and that's Boris Johnson's herd immunity policy. It's that's that's the policy that these like death mongers are preaching. That these fucking fucking priests of Huitzilopochtli are fucking trying to get us to buy into. And 
I mean, they at least had a they had a reason. They uh, they had a genuine good faith belief that that would, you know, keep the sun rising in the morning and the sun setting in the evening. Like they at least had a good faith belief that that was how the world worked. They didn't know. Well, I I really worked. do think that but, they they think that's how the world works. Just I mean, I said this earlier. Joe Biden said he didn't believe in any economic reform that didn't involve tears and suffering. Like, yeah. So that they these are the people who would have figured out ways to use the Bible to justify slavery. Yeah, no, yeah, these are like the people the... who like <laughs> genuine. These are the slave owners who genuinely believe that it was moral for black people to be slaves of white people. These are the same kind of people, and. So, you know, there was a solution to that, and, <laughs> um, yeah, and our solution here is, honestly, just keep going with those wildcat strikes. Like, yeah. talk to people about, like, how dangerous your workplace is right now. Keep doing that mutual aid thing. If you're working remotely, then listen to the people who are in those frontline jobs and tell your coworkers. I mean, it's even easier than ever to talk shit at the office when the office is your couch and the only person who's physically watching you is your cat. Yeah, and what we're and you know, I don't want to like be plugging products, but like there's a an app next door which, you know, you can talk to your neighbors with it. That's the point of it. And they've set up programs in there and there's lots of uh, mutual aid going on in there and that's not even counting actual mutual aid programs that are going on yeah. in almost every major city um, like for once next door is kind of being used for its ostensible purpose instead of just being you know I saw a black guy outside why yeah it, I mean no it is it is I'm I'm seeing neighbors. So, I mean, I'm seeing neighbors bring groceries to my neighbors, like to other neighbors. It's really nice, and the more we double down on that, the more we build on that, the more people will realize that we didn't need all this tears and suffering. Yeah, this is that these fuckers are sitting here saying we want to do the purge. And they didn't watch the second movie where the angry, organized black people who are done with being shot at by rich people storm the compound during a purge party. Yeah. You know, yeah. they they did not <laughs> see saying. the second purge. And what we can do is if we believe in ourselves, if we work together collectively and we build these bonds humanity between each other we can storm the purge compound and murder all the people in it yeah we can stop this death cult in fact we're like most of the way there just by complying with quarantine yeah exactly we're honestly hey if you're at home sitting there playing animal crossing and jerking off you're killing capitalism <laughs> <laughs> and they know it. Yeah, they know it. And so, I, 
I want to say that like this uh, th- this moment can be a time like this can be super scary and it does scare me. But there's also a lot of opportunity in there, and we're seeing a lot of people actually take this opportunity, and it's not all bad, and we can build a better world from the ruins of the old. We've we've got this. We live in the age of monsters, but a new world struggles to be born. We can win this. We can win this. These people have never been weaker. And they don't... This isn't the 1920s where their first instinct is to reach for the Pinkertons. Because, you know, they've seen all this shit before. They know it works. They know that, you know, throwing one half of the working class at the other half to kill them um, will eventually prevail in any strike action. These people are soft. They're used to killing by a spreadsheet. They're used to killing through cops. They are not ready for this. And they're actively fucking up. Yes. These are the most useless fucking people ever. They have no skills. Like, even the early industrialists, they had to know something about the field they were operating in. These people know nothing except pushing numbers on an Excel spreadsheet. And even then, they can barely do that. Capitalism has never been weaker. We can win. And we must win. It's socialism or barbarism time, everyone. We gotta win this. And they're not being shy about the barbarism. Oh, not yeah. anymore. They have said your choice, is, according to us, is you will die for the market. And, you know, we can say no. And lots of people already are saying no. So, yeah. uh, the message out, out, out to all of you from us here at Chop Shop is say no to death cults. Just say no to death cults. Just say no to death cults. Until next time. Yep, this was Chop Shop Radio. We read this shit. So you don't have to. Bye.